You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Hello everyone and welcome to the BGJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast episode 17. It is still pandemic time, the world is burning, nobody can train jiu-jitsu, but I found an interview that I've been, I managed to schedule an interview that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time um, with a couple that I met on my round-the-world trip more than 10 years ago in Romania. Um, uh, I think they have a really interesting story and they fit right into the, the theme of the podcast of people who do things a little bit different in life. So I'm just going to jump right into uh, to the interview and then I'll get back to you after. Enjoy. Um, so the, the theme of this podcast, I don't know if you've been listening to any episodes or not, but the theme of the podcast is obviously jujitsu and traveling, but also uh, people who do things a little bit different in life. And I think that you you guys fit in a little bit there. So uh, that's that's kind of the, the the theme I wanted to talk about. Um, because for myself, I kind of I always kind of like to to see if you know if if there are some things that that are done in a certain way, then I always find it kind of interesting or curious to see if if you can do it in a slightly different way and see if that works out. And, and I I kind of have the sense that that you guys are. Uh, or at least I see that you're kind of doing similar things. So, so, so those are the things that I'd like to talk about for this for this episode. Yeah. Why don't you do a, like a quick introduction, just like a super short introduction of yourself, and then I have kind of a little a little game plan of of how I I think this could go. So, uh, please. Um, okay, so I'm Robert McMasters, and uh, I'm, I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I've been doing jiu-jitsu almost 17 years now, um, and we live in Asheville, North Carolina. I guess that's an intro. Yeah. 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 I'm Amanda McMasters. I'm Bobby's wife, um, and I am a four-stripe white belt. Uh, <laughs> and how long have you been doing jiu-jitsu, Amanda? I've been doing jiu-jitsu a little over three years, um, but my very first jiu-jitsu class was in 2005, and then I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even give you a blue belt yet? How awkward. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that smug, smug smile on his face right there. So, just for the listeners, I can see, I, I can see you guys, but you can't see me, so... Um, okay, let's let's take let's uh, let's take it from the beginning. Um, I wonder if I can actually find the first email you ever sent me. Oh, geez, that would be that would be interesting because this this whole thing actually started when I did the, this round the world trip. I'm gonna look up my email right now. <laughs> I'm sure I can find this. I'm just gonna sort by. Oh, you sent me a lot. Yeah, <laughs> 148. Good oh, here God. it is. Here it is. <laughs> Uh, so what I did back in 2010 or something, yeah, 2010, I, I posted like on every single forum I could find, Hey, I'm going to travel anywhere in the world. Uh, if anyone knows anywhere they want to invite me, I'll, I'll teach for free. And if you have a couch or something, uh, I'll come by. And, um, I have an email from June 7, 2010. Oh, it's, we're almost, oh, we're more than 10 year anniversary. Wow. That's nice, huh? And uh, it says, hey, Christian, my friend told me about your trip and I, I'm a U.S. citizen currently living in Moldova and we'll move back to Romania, uh, blah, blah, blah. Pretty much you just invited me to come by Moldova. And I was like, where on earth is Moldova? And I had to, had to look that up. Um, but anyway, there's even you even oh, you even attached like a five page uh, work Lord. document <laughs> about the project anyway so i'm like oh sure that was i, I okay so i re replied actually less than two hours i would definitely like to come by um and uh, that was pretty much it so and then i came to moldova and um you tell me what 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 was this all about what were you doing there um yeah so it's interesting that like you got emails i was i was in moldova and 
Um, yeah, I think we were like in exile there. I think we were having issues with our Romanian visa, but we were trying to live in Romania. And so, yeah, we were like, had to be outside of Romania for a certain amount of time. And I think that's when I sent you the email. So, um, trying to live in Romania. Yeah. So we were, well, all right. So we, we had done Peace Corps in Moldova, um, which is an American volunteer organization run by the federal government. And then we moved back to the U.S. for a couple of years. And um, I don't know, it was just kind of boring. So we were like, hey, let's go live in Romania. And so we kind of went out there with without a real concrete plan, including how we're going to stay there legally. So we uh, kind of overstayed a little bit and we had to kind of do a border hop. And we had we wound up spending like a three months in, again in Moldova. Um, yeah, but any case, I had heard about I'm I'm remarkably unconnected in when it comes to jujitsu. So um, like I just somebody just emailed me and said, hey, this guy's going like uh, trying to go around the world. It'd be cool if he went to Moldova. And so I emailed you and uh, yeah, it just kind of happened from there. I guess I responded to your emails enough. And so you came out and uh, we hung out in Romania and Moldova. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through. I'm going to put some pictures on the on the podcast post, but I'm just scrolling through some of these pictures. I forgot all about these. Oh, You're picking up with a very beautiful sign in the airport. Yeah, you, <laughs> I do remember that sign. <laughs> you lost some weight and some hair since I see that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we changed. We traded hairdos, man. Yeah, that's right. And we, uh, yeah. So we were in. I, first, I came to Romania, right, and then. Yeah, we went training same evening. That was pretty cool. Um, and uh, when sightseeing, that was I see a picture in front of a bar with a sign that says "Sometimes love is worth paying for." Oh God! Nice. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. <laughs> well, it might be true. Anyway, uh, okay. Uh, tell me some stories about your life in Romania and Moldova. I I, I especially want to hear about. Um, didn't you win a goat or something in a in a village wrestling competition or some stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we we were uh, yeah part of Peace Corps and we were in Moldova for a little over two years. And um, like our major project was health education, but I had a, a number of side projects, and one of them was the jujitsu program there. Um, and yeah, just as I guess part of what jujitsu people do, like way out in the middle of nowhere in countries that people have never heard of, is uh, they enter in um, village wrestling contests uh, just to show that jujitsu works. Because, um, you know, the Gracie Challenge is different everywhere. Um, and yeah, I entered in, they have a sports day every year and they have like kind of um, like a folk wrestling style. Maybe could you could you just quickly set the scene for where this is and what kind of place it is because I think there's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, um. Yeah. Going into all right. So going into Peace Corps, like I was really kind of I was like really looking forward to maybe doing like some sambo and some wrestling with some like awesome guys out in a city somewhere. But Peace Corps placed me in like the middle of nowhere little village with nothing, no, no wrestling, no mats, no anything. And so I was kind of pissed off at first, but um, I figured we'd just go ahead and start the the program. But anyway, um, so after that, we, there, you know, the summertime came and uh, they had the sports day. And so everybody comes and, you know, soccer is the major um, is the major focus of these sport days. But they have like, I don't know, donkey racing. They have um, weightlifting. Yeah, what sort of weightlifting? <laughs> they lift um, heavy things. They do different things. There's like I don't know, gymnastics, basketball, volleyball. So it's a big sports day. Ribbon dancing. Ribbon dancing was one year. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's a post post uh, Soviet country, and so um, I don't know. A lot of those things look like look like communist things. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, the uh, uh, so the the main thing was soccer but then they had wrestling on the side and it was the the winner of each kind of like division got different things so the winner of the little boys division got like a rooster and um the winner of like the adolescent division got a rabbit and then the winner of the men's division got a ram so not quite a goat but uh a ram i guess is a type of sheep um 
Yeah, and so I've there was uh, our village, which was is about uh, three thousand people total, and um, a number of the neighboring villages, which uh, probably total us to be in around like twelve thousand or something. So they kind of sent everybody sent like their best sports people, and um, and uh, so yeah, I entered in the wrestling, and it was just like you know a single elimination, um, but. Um, uh, yeah, I wound up winning. I he, I beat this enormous guy. You know, I couldn't do that these days. Um, I'm a little a little long in the tooth now. But um, back then, yeah, I I beat this guy just kind of like by exhaustion. I think I, he was too big for me to get him down and pin him. So what what were um, the rules even? Um, yeah, the rules were uh, we'll say interpretive. So part of the reason I couldn't pin him is because they kept making us stand up again every time I got close to pinning him because he was kind of like the village uh, favorite. Um, and so uh, technically in the end, they they said that we tied and we had to share the sheep. Um, but uh, And I had never really handled a sheep before, so they gave it to me and like I got this picture of me hoisting the sheep up um, in the air. But like what you don't see is the sheep like <laughs> pissed all over me. And... Um, uh, anyway, we we wound up having a barbecue with the sheep and the the soccer team that won, and um, yeah, it was it was good. It was a very interesting um, tournament. But as far as the rules, yeah, the rules were a little bit blurred. Uh, technically, like it's a lot like Western wrestling, but you kind of start with different grips. Um, uh, I have like a, a rule set for it, uh, but I haven't looked at it in like forever. But uh, it's just—I mean, it's just—it's like a hybrid between wrestling and judo. I would say is like the closest way I could describe it. Right. And anyway, so I show up in Romania, and we do a bit of sightseeing there in training, and then we take the bus to Moldova. I remember the bus crashed yeah. in the snow. Yeah, we almost died. Yeah. yeah, we almost died. It was like maybe the second or third stop on my entire trip. And I, I already died. Almost yeah. died. So <laughs> anyway, kind of survived. We got a story out of that. And uh, then we went to this little village, 2,000 people. This is where you, you, you worked, right? Or stayed? Or... Yeah. So, yeah, right. So we're you're assigned to like a community for, um, you know, two years or so. You can extend after that. But yeah, I was in this village for two years. And this is where you started the jiu-jitsu program. Yes. Am I right? Yeah. Tell so me about I it. Was, you know, I was a white belt. Um, I had had um, college wrestling experience, um, but fairly limited jujitsu. So we just kind of, uh, I started a club really hoping that I would get some adults in there. And like, like I said, like my goal was like to learn some really awesome post-Soviet um, grappling and all that stuff. But the no adults showed up to my class. So just a bunch of like teenage boys showed up. So I guess that was uh, more or less uh my team um and that's all i really had so i got i got some mats out there um and uh yeah we ran a jujitsu program for like a couple years and uh, a couple of the kids got pretty good uh one of them is um a black belt now actually my former student i'm a brown belt he's a black belt <laughs> uh he's way better than me now but he's making his living uh doing jujitsu which is really great that's like um the whole idea of sustainability is that, you know, that uh, people can kind of like take a skill and, and make a living out of it. Um, and so it was really great. And you guys seem pretty confident in the language and stuff. Like how, 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 long, how much work did it take you to, to, to learn that? Is it a difficult one or? Yeah, I mean, we're, um, uh, yeah, I, I would say like, so I, I got to a point, I would say like nine months in where I could, handle pretty much any conversation or at least I could find my way through it um but the Peace Corps has a really good like language program and also you're you're immersed in it so um Moldova is kind of like I think one of the rare places in the world where um you know not many people really speak English at least they didn't back you know 15 years ago when we were out there um so it's like you're forced to learn it so uh, there's no, you know, it's not, I took like three years of Spanish and I, I can't probably even ask, like, say my name, what's my name is and all that other stuff. So, um, but when you're immersed in it, you have to, you're kind of forced to learn it. And so we, we were kind of forced to learn it pretty fast. We had to teach in the language. So 
that was a little tough at first, especially like when it comes to jujitsu. Like I remember there was just so many strain, like looking back now that I have a better grip on the language when I first started, like the, the names and stuff for moves and positions are just so weird. And even the name for submission is just like, that doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense. So I was like teaching these kids, um, you know, all these weird words and stuff. And then when they went and they interacted with Romanians, you know, um, which is the same language. Um, yeah, it'd be like, well, I, you know, it's just kind of weird, uh, terms for stuff, I guess. Um, and thanks to me and my, my really good Romanian back in the day, but yeah, I don't know. It took, it, it was pretty quick acquisition of the language, but we're still very much like foreign speakers of Romanian, not, not anything fluent. Your English is much, much better than our Romanian will probably ever be. So if you want to put that in perspective, I probably also had the opportunity to practice a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing amanda in since you're not doing jiu-jitsu back then um i so uh bobby and i were in uh separate villages because at the time uh we weren't married we met in peace corps um so yeah so i was in a different village um and i had the like our health education i was in the same program um and i had a couple clubs i had like an english club um And then I inherited uh, <clears throat> a baseball club. There was a volunteer who had been in the village right before me, and she was really into baseball. And so she started a baseball club. Um, and so when I got there, all the kids just kind of saw me as like a replacement. And so they wanted to know when we were starting baseball. And I'm not terribly athletic, and I'm afraid of the ball. And uh, <laughs> but. I had my parents send me some like coaching youth baseball books and I got into it. And by the end of it, the kids were like, wow, coach Amanda, you're really getting good at catching the ball. So <laughs> I consider that a win. <laughs> you're an American. You're supposed to be able to teach baseball. Right. <laughs> and how, um, so, so what do you tell people who like, if, would you, do you recommend people doing stuff like this? I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a, a a wild trip to just go to Romania of all places and, and learn Romanian and work there. I mean, what, what do you tell people about this, this as an opportunity to travel or do something very different than uh, going to Mexico for a holiday? <laughs> um, well, I think, uh, I think we were in uh, a really uh, lucky position to have um, uh, Peace Corps, which is the volunteer program, Uh, available to us uh, because it does allow you, it gives you all the tools to essentially go to another country and live in that country. Maybe not necessarily as locals live, um, but as close as possible to the way locals live, um, which, as I said, is a really like unique opportunity because when you travel somewhere, you know, you have a limited period of time, you have limited knowledge, you have limited contacts. Um, and so going through Peace Corps, you know, gives you that automatic network of people who are going to kind of take you in. They're going to show you, you know, what it's like to live there day to day. We lived, we both lived in um, small villages, agricultural communities. Um, so we saw what it was like, you know, and when someone's making a meal, what that takes, you know, they can't just go to the local grocery store and pick everything up on their list. Like the local market has like flour and that's flour and sugar. And maybe that's all you pick up from the market and everything else. You have to go into your backyard and, you know, pick the carrots and the potatoes and all of that. Um, so it does give you a unique perspective um, into traveling and a different I don't know, a different uh, way of looking at things and then being able to look at yourself and the way that uh, you are living, you know, in your home country. Um, so I definitely recommend it. Uh, and as we, you know, as we've traveled other places too, we haven't been able to get that same experience because maybe we don't have that connection with people um, when we travel to other places. Uh, but I'm sure one of the things that you found when you're traveling around was If you could get connected with people there who already knew, uh, who already knew the culture, who already knew kind of the lay of the land, it really enriches the experience that you get when you go somewhere. 
What's the? I'll I'll be I'll be honest here. I I actually don't really know anything about the Peace Corps. What what's the deal with it? Can anyone sign up or what? What kind of? How does it work in practical terms? So it's an uh, that particular organization is an American uh, government organization. It was started in 1961 by uh, John F. Kennedy. Um, and the idea was uh, to accomplish three goals to um, to learn about other cultures um, and like as an American to share American culture with other places that something other than, you know, our government and things that our government does. So actual individuals. Um, and then the third goal was education. So for those volunteer, those American volunteers to go out. Sustainability. Sustainability, if they're wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, something like that. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so you have to be an American citizen. Um, and the application process, I feel like, is um, kind of a in and of itself a good way to weed out people because it takes a lot of patience. They ask for a lot of paperwork. Uh, you go through like medical exams and stuff like that. Um, and for me, I think the application process took about nine months, which is pretty fast. I just, that happened to be how long it took. Um, but you write essays and stuff like that. Um, and then it's typically a two year commitment to a country that's, um, a developing country and that country has like a partnership with the Peace Corps program and they take a certain number of volunteers every year and place them in different villages or cities um, with different projects. So I think the first Peace Corps project um, in the 60s was teaching English and AIDS education in Africa. Um, and at this point, it's the first programs were, were English education. Mm -hmm. So that's still the base of um... Peace Corps, I think, is English education, but the idea is to kind of like teach the teachers how to teach English and just kind of enrich um, usually smaller communities, uh, um, although people are placed in cities as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good organization, you know, like I would like I, I would I had never been out of the country before I joined the Peace Corps and Peace Corps pays for everything. So mm -hmm. like I was way too broke to even afford a you know, to go to Mexico or something. So, um, you know, it was it was great for me. Uh, I really I really enjoyed my time with the Peace Corps. Um, I'm almost I'm also glad to not be in Peace Corps anymore. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's a it's a good organization, and I would suggest that other people go and spend you know extended periods of time somewhere that they're not familiar with. I think that's good for all of us usually. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I remember I was impressed as to how connected you were, like locally. And in, in obviously, when you tell the story, it's obviously how how you ended up like that. But but how well you knew the locals and kind of navigate around such a small place that that seemed so extremely remote from anything else where you'd normally travel to. Um, yeah, I think that was that, that was, was all staged completely just for you. <laughs> They, they were all American actors. <laughs> he just made up the language. <laughs> exactly. No, it was nice. It was actually, it was for me, it was, this was early in my trip. And, and that was kind of inspiring because I thought, oh, I, I, I really got to try to do the same on this trip to really like deeply connect with, with locals to, uh, to get some, some as most, as much as possible out of this experience. I remember that. Um, so we did. So I spent a few days. We, we we took the bus to Moldova. We spent a few days there. I I was teaching the kids class with no heating. That was the coldest class I ever did in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really fun though. I remember they had a. I'm just looking through the pictures. Oh yeah, they didn't have a, a football goal, so they just chalked a goal on the wall. That was yeah. pre that's pretty cool. Uh, that was fun to train with them. And uh, man, that was freezing. There was no light, but there were there were some street lights they had stolen, right, and put put up in the, in the room because there was no light. It was getting really dark and cold. Um, oh, that's great! And then we was oh yeah, we, we visited a school. I I never forget the bathrooms in that school. It was literally just a hole in the ground with poop all, all around it. Yeah. Not even stalls or anything, like nothing. Oh, this picture! Oh, this picture's on my old blog. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's better now. Just FYI, it's like they have composting toilets now. Oh yeah. A uh, little bit of an upgrade. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, what else? I'm just scrolling through these pictures. And what? What? Um, so so what? What? What's with this uh, program now? I remember we donated a ton of geese to them. We had people ship them in, but what? Uh, how's it going out? Do you know how are the kids doing? I, of course, I know. Uh, uh, what was the name? Sandu or something? Yeah. Who is, uh, I, I follow him on Facebook a little bit. We're still right. training nice. black belt now, but but how, you know how the, that 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 class is doing? How your kids are are doing? Like I, I was teaching kids for for a while back in Copenhagen, and I still follow them like in everything they do. But uh, how's that? How's yeah, that I project mean, going now? Um. So from what I understand, so the. Uh, who you're talking about that's the guy i was talking about who's a black belt now i was fortunate enough to have gone out uh guys a couple years ago now to watch him get his black belt um at a summer camp in bulgaria uh which is a really cool experience but um he has two programs now one is down south um in a bigger kind of town about 45 minutes away from where the original uh school was and he has another school in the capital Uh, so he has like two programs now. Um, as far as that original program, um, you know, nobody really kind of uh, kept going with it after I left. After I left, Sandu took it over and then he basically moved the program to like a bigger city so he could actually make some income. Um, and so now he's, you know, he's making a living teaching uh, jujitsu, which is uh, really awesome. Um, but as far as like, yeah, I don't have the same pictures of the kids like in front of me as you do, but, uh, I would say, you know, I could probably go through, like, I'm still in contact with them on Facebook. I could probably go through and tell you what everybody's doing, but pretty much everybody works abroad. Um, uh, there's not, there aren't a lot of job opportunities in Moldova. So Moldova's like, I don't know if for our, your American listeners, uh, Moldova's kind of like Europe's, uh, Mexico. They they have, you know, there are a lot of um, people who have migrated for work and uh, in other countries, usually like Italy, Ireland, um, also Russia. Um, those would be probably the, the main Germany. Yeah, Germany's pretty common. Um, but yeah, most of them, most of them are either, you know, just working abroad, just trying to make ends meet or um you know, just, uh, um, yeah, living their lives. I mean, as, but as far as the program goes, it's, it's not really there in the same place in the same form, uh, that it was, you know, 15, 13, 15 years ago, whatever it is now. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, at the same time, it's like all, all of my former students now are, have kids and, uh, I get hit up every now and again by just some random ass, student of mine who happens to be like in my state or something asking about how they can get their kids involved in jujitsu which for which program's good um and so that's that's really nice to see because there's almost like a tradition of like jujitsu people know what it is and um and that's that's really awesome i guess but yeah the, the program itself isn't really i guess there anymore in its original form yeah i don't even know really what happened to the mats um so uh all, all the geese and stuff uh, i know were used uh heavily but it's it's nice because now they they have like they they buy and sell their own geese and things like that and um it's yeah it's sustainability you know that's that's like what that's like the the best thing that could happen and so it's um that's what happened out there and i'm completely hands off now they're like you know we used to uh kind of like run like the first few like national tournaments and I'm not involved in that anymore, which is actually really great because it's all 100% Moldovans um, doing, you know, running their own, their own program. So that's nice. All right. So um, let's move on. I, uh, I ran into you guys again later in the US, I think on the same trip. That's that right. Yeah, it was just me, I think. Yeah. No, we no, went to. Oh no, you both. Did. It was in oh, Virginia. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So before that. <laughs> went to all American yeah, bar Virginia, barbecue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was a. That was and very, the, very the culturally interesting quarter, for me. Whatever. Huh. <laughs> the uh, fallopian quarter. The uh, we were playing some stupid game and there oh, was yeah, a quarter right. or something from the Philippines <laughs> and it got named the fallopian quarter. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, I was <laughs> I was far away from home there. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's my family. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, so so you guys moved back to the U.S. at some point, and um, what uh, you moved around a little bit, and then you ended up where? Let's let's, let's hear the quick story of uh, what happened after this uh, Eastern European adventure. Yeah, so our, our time in Romania kind of uh, came to an end and we were ready to move on, ready to do our own thing. So we moved back to the U.S. Uh, we moved around a little bit. We uh, I got my purple belt um, in Texas from Carlos Diego Ferreira. And then we moved to uh, Colorado um, and trained a little bit there. And then we wanted to find like our, you know, place to be. And uh, so we kind of came through, we went from Colorado to out to the East Coast um, and came through this place in North Carolina. And um, we had never, you know, dealt with property and like big sums of money before. So we kind of wanted to see what the process was like. Um, so we came through and the first property the, the real estate agent showed us was this property here. So this is the very first property we ever saw on our first experience with buying property, but it was, uh, I wouldn't say it was like perfect. Um, it's, we, it's a little more work than what we wanted. Um, we've got uh, a couple houses and a gym and a campground. What, what kind of, what kind of place is it when you, when you say it's, uh, it's a property? I mean, let's, because I've seen the pictures, but maybe the listeners have not. Um, so it's, um, most of the times, like when when you buy property, you're just like looking at a house. Uh, but this was uh, about five and a half acres of various like buildings and yeah, property. In, basically, like in the old, mountains. Yeah, in the mountains. Like I, I bet basically like an old country guy used to own a whole bunch of property. He sold little sections of it off, and he was left with this weird mixture of buildings and property that had been neglected for decades. Um, and it was, so it was cheap, uh, but it was, it was pretty much perfect for what we wanted to do. So, yeah. What did you want to do? Well, uh, we've always been kind of like, we've always enjoyed hosting people. So we wanted to do that, I guess I got on a more, uh, professional level. So, um, we wanted eventually to like have like a guest house, but that wasn't going to happen. So we made a campground instead. Um, and we you know we we didn't have any money trying to pay the mortgage and stuff and so we just decided to build these uh kind of like structures and stuff out of um because there, there's a lot of trash on this property there's <laughs> there's a lot of trash and there's like a lot of like basically free building material out there um and so we made i don't know we make uh stairs out of tires and we recycle like uh, truck bed tops for like shelters um and so we kind of built up this campground i think what we, well, we got like 18 spots now or something mm -hmm. like that yeah and it's a mixture of um like primitive tent camping sites and uh these like sleeping pod things we uh have uh folks we host people doing um work exchange kind of deals and so uh they they work for us and uh, we give them a place to stay. Um, and so one of those people is a professional artist. And so he's done all of our art. He's done the mural on our gym. He's decorated all of our sleeping pods. Um, designed our rash guard. He's designed our rash guard. Yeah. So um, so anyways, it makes things look a little bit uh, less like trash. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit less like trash, just under trash. Little. So so uh, just below trash. Uh, so so you so you built a gym there. Huh? Mm -hmm. as, yeah, as so, one of the, the one of the things you wanted to build. Right. Yeah. So we we wanted basically to have hospitality and to have jujitsu. And so, um, you know, and eventually basically combine the two. Uh, which is what we had planned before 2020 showed up and ruined everything for us. <laughs> well, it didn't ruin it. It just delayed it. We're going to hopefully kind of start doing that next year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just kind of like, well, let's do jujitsu and let's do hospitality. So now I have like a gym in my backyard and then, well, actually in my front yard. And then I have, we have a, a campground in the backyard, which is like a dream for most people. 
and it's it's honestly really awesome and we're very fortunate to have it um uh so he's yeah we're just very lucky people i think to be able to kind of create our own uh i don't know a little happy space out here so how uh so the people who come to visit like how long do they stay for is it like travelers staying for a night you have people staying like permanently or how's that Yeah, all of the above. Um, I think the the person we've had around the longest, she's been here about a year and a half, Michael. Almost two years. Almost two years yeah. now. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, people just can like come through and, um, uh, you know, maybe just a couple days. We have people who just kind of come out for the day just to see it and they want to do some like eco building. Um, That's what we call um, building <laughs> with trash. It's called eco building. Building with trash is called eco building. <laughs> Um, uh, so but, yeah, there's no, there's no like concrete anything and, um, but yeah, we've had people like, for example, we've had, um, folks come just for the weekend. Um, back in the day when we had open mats, they would come for the weekend, train with us, do open mats. We have, uh, a guy from Florida who has his own like little pull behind trailer. And when he feels like coming up for fly fishing, He stays with us for about a week. Um, he's a black belt, owns a couple schools down there. Um, and so he'll come and he'll like either train with us or he'll teach classes um, for like the week that he's here, kind of like in exchange for uh, staying with us. Um, and then we had uh, someone who stayed with us for, he stayed with us for like about a year. Um, and so a little bit on a more long-term basis, um, and he helped with our classes, stuff like that. So people kind of come for all, um, I don't know, for all different lengths of time, just kind of depending on what, what their plan is, or, you know, if they're at a point in their life when they're just like, yeah, I need to get away for a week or a month or three months. Um, so yeah, we're really happy to have that kind of, uh, diversity of like input and stuff like that, both jiu-jitsu wise and then life wise is kind of nice to have different people around go ahead uh, how, how big is the place i'm just trying to get an idea of uh, what, what kind of um how so many the, people do you fit there usually um I, <laughs> well let me see okay so the campground is kind of separate from it's really hard to describe man this is so tough to describe um so the campground is like separate that's that's listed on like airbnb and hip camp um, and so people just kind of come and go whenever they, they want their paying customers. Um, and then we have basically like an intentional community surrounded by jujitsu, which does not really involve the campground. And so we, we, you know, this kind of happened during the pandemic, like, uh, you know, just, I mean, jujitsu is very intimate. Um, you know, like if somebody has COVID and you train with them, like you're definitely going to get COVID. It's, um, so we kind of have like this little training group, um, right now, how many mm -hmm. of those are there? Like seven or eight people mm -hmm. that actually train. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like, like we at all... the moment during the pandemic. Right, right, yeah. right. At within our, within our pod. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So the, the pandemic kind of like forced us to sort of have like, you know, event, like start an intentional community. So we're very, um, You know, we don't roll with anybody else outside of our little training group. Um, I teach classes now, at least up to now, uh, behind like this. We call it the Pope Mobile. It's like this big plastic thing. I don't know. I don't know what good it does, to be honest with you. But it, it mostly keep it, it at least tells people like, hey, don't go up and touch this guy and try to grapple with this guy because he's uh, behind this like quarantine tent thing. Um so it's a little bit different now, but, um, you know, we're still training. We train, we train judo and jujitsu and we train like, um, seven or eight times a week or so. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's basically like, we're just a community of jujitsu people and we, you know, everybody pitches in by doing work, um, and in the campground or just fixing old shitty stuff, um, or building weird things out of trash or. Does anyone um, live there who trains jiu-jitsu or like? Yeah, like, so we yeah. all, everybody who trains with us lives with us. Okay. Like at the and moment or in, is that also in general, non-pandemic times? Mm-hmm, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have, um, 
like we used to host people in our house because we had like a tiny little guest room. Um, but we've since kind of developed other spaces for people to live in. Uh, we got an RV that doesn't move. And so we installed it behind our gym. That's where one person lives. Um, there's one room in the gym. Mm -hmm. There's one room. And so we put like a bed in it and a desk. I, that's about it. Um, somebody at one point called it our jujitsu jail cell because it's in the gym. It's obviously a very <laughs> nice place. <laughs> um, there are a number of people who uh, we've actually got four. Um, we call them bus people. Uh, they all live in like uh, retrofitted um, school buses. The bus people. Um, yeah. So we've got we've got a growing bus we have people. Four community. bus bus dwellings right now right four, yep. four. Yeah, and then got, there's the rv which i guess RV. is sort of like a bus yeah and then we've renovated um some space in what was a garage we've turned it into like a um bathhouse for the campground and for work exchange people we yeah like a bunkhouse it's got i think six spots up there it's just like mm -hmm. a kind of like a hostel uh shared bunk room type mm -hmm. thing which yeah we had plans for that being uh uh, some somewhere where people would stay. I mean, yeah, it, plans kind of changed, but um, you know we're adapting to it or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. So the answer to the question is that yeah, everybody kind of lives here, but not necessarily like with each other. Yeah, but we all we all you know we eat together. We're always constantly around each other, and so we're we try to be very careful. You know, when we go into the community and visit. Uh, family and friends or whatever outside of the community and we have a rule I mean that nobody rolls with anybody else um, as much as I really hate that uh, as like a, a thing it's like well, you kind of have to do that right now or at least that's what we decided on as a community that's the way what we're going to kind of approach the situation mm -hmm. and then in let's I was thinking even let's just pretend there's no pandemic and talk like normal times because uh -huh. I think the entire year we just always talk about special yeah. restrictions and we have to do this now we have to do this now it's like oh I'm getting so tired of this <laughs> so yeah. let's right let's imagine it's a normal time and and your place runs normally and you don't have to worry about any of this uh what uh so, so you've been I, I remember didn't you posted on the members of BJ Globetrotters group to try to invite some instructors over right did you guys do yeah, that at some point yeah, we um we always we love people coming by. I mean, you know, I don't really have, you know, I'm not part of like a traditional uh, association and like I don't have like a uh, really like a sensei, like kind of like instructing me where to go with my jujitsu stuff. So I really rely on other people coming by uh, kind of like showing what that what they're good with, um, you know, and then that way my students don't get the same old boring like Bobby McMaster's really cool jujitsu. They get other people's uh, input and ways of looking at things. And um, I think that's really important. Um, and so we're always trying to encourage, um, you know, guest instructors um, and other people to come by and train with us. And did you have anyone come by to stay for a while or how did, how did it work out? Because I, I often find like through the years, people have been posting uh on that group looking for instructors or something and it always turned out some really cool stories so i'm, I'm curious yeah, if it, had, i'm curious if it worked or not um it yeah. it has yeah i think um you know part of it is like uh yeah we've had some great people come through and you know you can even still see like some people like oh yeah move i learned this move from you know this guy like uh, two years ago so you, it's like the, uh, their jujitsu is also here which is is kind of a cool thing to see um but yeah i think a lot of people just don't know about it though um we'd love to get more people through it's it's mostly just me teaching all the classes which is not which was not my original uh vision um we really want to get more people and have it kind of a more uh decentralized um learning environment um but it just hasn't happened yet um so i'm hoping like you know podcasts like this people will hear it and be like hey i want to come and stay for a couple weeks and um teach and train jujitsu and so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of one of our goals yeah yeah one of the uh, more longer term people who came through um he stayed for a little over a year um we he was originally the one set up in the non-movable rv 
Um, and so he, in exchange for staying, we kind of had it worked out with him where he would like teach the kids classes. Um, he and Bobby kind of rotated who would teach the fundamentals classes or the advanced classes. Um, and yeah, he just kind of like became part of our community, part of, uh, part of the gym. Um, and you know, people, it was nice having more than one instructor because, you know, people connect differently with different people. Um, they learn better from, you know, different styles of teaching and the other, um, guy had a very different style. And so it was good to have that diversity. Um, and so he was with us for about a year. He's the most long-term person, but we have yeah. recurring people, people that come through for like maybe a couple weeks. Um, you know, mm -hmm. once every six months or so, uh, Rich Sab, who's ranking us comes by, you know, roughly like every six months. So it's great having him out here. Um, yeah, people really look forward to his visits and like learning from him. Um, like I said, the guy from Florida who comes up with his trailer, uh, or his, I guess trailer sounds trashy. It's nice. Um, <laughs> but, um, who comes up, uh, for a week at a time and he'll teach the kids classes. He's got great, like enthusiasm. Uh, he's got, it kind of refreshes, uh, some of our ideas for like kids games, stuff like that. Um, the adults seem to really like, uh, his classes too. He's got a different, uh, level of intensity. Um, <laughs> he's pretty intense. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he'll come by for the week and we'll arrange which classes he wants to teach. Um, or if he just wants to kind of assist and be there for the class. So, um, yeah, and people can be as involved or uninvolved as they want. Um, like we can provide all of the meals for them, or if they just kind of want to go off and explore Asheville, um, there's tons of breweries here, lots of hiking, waterfalls, stuff like that. So people can kind of go at their own pace of, uh, what kind of trip or visit they want. Yeah. And we love, you know, basically bartering for things. We, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, so if, even if somebody's on a budget, this is a really good place to be on a budget because mm -hmm. Asheville is, um, yeah, a little bit of ex expensive if you're trying to, I don't know, find a room for even a couple weeks here. It's, uh, it's kind of an expensive area. So, um, yeah, it's nice to kind of be able to provide all these budget options because we, you know, and we, we understand how the feeling, cause we were just, we were budget, uh, people for most of our lives. So. Um, we kind of know how to set it up um, in a way that basically anybody can experience it. And what? Um, so, so you're, you're in a, um, you're running this this gym a little bit different than than most academies, I guess. That's yeah. this is just I just based this on nothing, but I just imagine <laughs> that uh, most academies in the U.S. are business, right? and you do this a little bit different in terms of payments and memberships and stuff. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we offer, um, it's, it's really, I feel like, kind of like exper experimental way, uh, approach to um, traditional capitalism, I think, uh, is a good way to put it. Um, but we offer pay-what-you-want classes where we suggest, like, what people should pay. But if they're not able to, then it kind of, like, um, you know, it, it affords them a little bit of dignities where they don't have to just be like, yeah, I'm sorry, man, I can't afford this. Um, they can just come and they can train. And so, you know, I think we started out with like just like this box that you just throw money in. Mm -hmm. um, and we've kind of uh, Amanda deals with all the uh, the financial stuff. So I'm just talking out of my ass right now. Um, <laughs> but the but it was kind of experimental because, you know, like we're trying to you know pay our bills. We have like we owe somebody a lot of money for this piece of shit property. We have to pay them. So um, it's uh it was kind of an experiment to see like, well, if you're given the option to pay or not to pay, like, what do you do? And I think most people, um, you know, even if it's tough for them, they really try to find a way to pay or they kind of offer like a work exchange um, because, you know, the, this town has a lot of like very diverse people with diverse skill sets and we can usually use it somewhere on the campground, whether it's art or if it's, um, you know, construction skills or just somebody who has a lot of energy and can dig a ditch for me. Um, but yeah, it's just we, we I feel like, you know, like my experience being a budget grappler for, you know, I guess 14, 15 years up until we started the gym really influenced 
uh, how I look at, um, I guess, the financial side of, of jujitsu training. It's usually a kind of a very uh, exclusive um, club. I mean, even if you look at like, you know, the, the history of jujitsu, um, you know, is, is usually taught to more affluent people. Um, so we're, we're trying to do it a little bit different, um, because there are, you know, a lot of people out here who don't have a lot of money and this kind of gives them at least an opportunity, at least for fundamental, like you can come and learn fundamental jujitsu for, you know, for very, very affordable, if not like almost completely free or like with a work exchange or something like that. So, yeah. And, um, another kind of aspect of that is that, uh, a lot of our classes are offered as pay what you want. Um, but we also don't have like traditional memberships or contracts. Uh, so that means that people can drop in for classes whenever they feel like it. They don't have to sign, you know, that long-term commitment or put that money up front. Um, and so it kind of gets us a more interesting, uh, diversity of people, um, who, you know, may not be able to, uh, commit to three months at a time or may not be able to front that kind of money. Uh, but it uh, definitely opens it up to more people, which in turn, I feel like is is good for everyone because then it also opens up your training partners. You know, you don't have only the people who signed up for that month coming to practice. You know, you've got somebody who maybe comes in, you know, three weeks at a time and then they drop off for a while. Uh, people always feel welcome. Uh, you know, there isn't any of that like, oh, I didn't, pay my membership fee and now I'm late with that and they're going to be hounding me for money. Like that's never the case. It's never a hard sell. Um, and so people who are here want to be here. They've chosen to be here, not just because they paid membership for, um, for a year and now they feel guilty. And so they're coming to train, but they actually choose to come and do that. Um, yeah, but you know, we don't, we don't pay any affiliation fees. We, we own the property. And so like we, we were able to do this. I don't know if we'd be able to do it the exact same way. Like if we were, um, renting, but, uh, we probably would have tried. Um, but it's, it's, it's worked so far. It's, mm -hmm. it's been really great. It helps pay the bills. We get to do jujitsu and, um, you know, everybody has an opportunity now, uh, to train jujitsu as long as they can make it out to our gym. So, and how many members do you have? Like, I remember, we are just imagining the pandemic does not exist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so because we don't have those traditional memberships, um, it's hard to say like, ah, we've got 750 or whatever. But um, I would say uh, typically in a month, uh, the kind of consistent people who come by are probably about like 100 or so people. Um, yeah. Yeah. And our classes, um, anywhere for like the most popular time and so on classes, anywhere between 15 and 25 people a class. Um, so yeah, we were, we were really happy with that. The, um, open mats, um, that we had before, uh, it was really nice cause it was one of the few actual, I guess, open mats um, in the area, most of the other gyms, open mats tended to be more, um, like their own members coming to the open mat. Ours was more of an, uh, open, open mat where people from other schools would come from other towns would come. Um, and so it was really nice. It was a good opportunity to, um, get to roll with different people, but also get to connect with, um, different jujitsu people and be a part of like, I don't know, kind of create a jujitsu community instead of just like your school group of people and that's it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been, it's been really good because also having it be pay what you want, pay when you want, people feel free, um, to drop by, uh, when they're in town or maybe their school is closed that day. And so if they just want to get some extra training time in, they know that they can come to our gym. They're welcome. We don't, um, we were not kind of tribalistic or um, people can wear whatever gi they want, whatever patch they want. What's important is they come and train and they're good training partners. And and um, so where does this come from? Why did you make this decision? I guess some people will say, why don't you just charge uh, $200 a month and, and get rich? Where, where does this come from? Does, does, this have, is this, does this have any connection to your experiences uh, working abroad or... 
Well, yeah, like like I was saying, like I, you know, I've been a budget grappler for a long time, and it's always like I don't know. Whenever, whenever I I can't afford like training, you know, I always have to kind of go to the instructor, kind of like with you know my eyes downcast, just being like, I'm sorry, I can't afford your training. I'd love to, you know, help out with teaching fundamentals or kids class or whatever you need. But and so it always sucked to kind of have that that like, hey, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't afford this. So by having this model, it just kind of um, it, it makes it makes it so nobody has to like feel bad that they they aren't able to pay or not so i guess a lot of it has to do with that experience um i think i initially got the idea from like um like walking tours uh there's some like we go to like european cities and you go to like a free walking tour where it's free uh but they encourage you to like tip at the end sort of thing like and so that way, I, I really like that because that way you you're really like working for your money. You know, it's not you're not just like giving some tour that nobody's gonna nobody's gonna come back for. They decide to pay you or not. So it usually gives a little bit of a better quality experience. I think if um, you're you know honestly working uh, for your money. But uh, I think another reason is like I'm the new guy in town. I'm some no name brown belt who like has never won any awesome jujitsu championships. So hey, hey, it's you, you like... won that gold. Don't forget. <laughs> never yeah, forget. Yeah, one day, one day I'll get there. That's why. That's why I'm staying. A, I'm planning to stay a brown belt as long as it takes to get a world championship. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I guess it's just mostly based on our experience of being like um, I don't know poor people. <laughs> No, I think it's really nice, and it's also a breath of fresh air from uh, from what's usually around. Like, it's jujitsu is very business uh, has much of a business vibe to it. Often, uh, yeah. I guess it's more in the U.S. than I experienced in most most other countries. But but still, I think that's a that's a that it's nice to see someone pull a little bit in the different direction and see if if something could actually be done in a different way. And and so far, it looks like you're doing pretty well. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a very successful experiment, I think, uh, from our point of view, and it's uh, it's just the right thing to do, man. I mean, you see all these like, it's just like the the business standard is to I don't know, I I feel like almost like exploiting people with like memberships and um, you know, you can only buy this gi and um, all the other stuff that's usually attached to it. This way, it's like uh, it's I don't know, it's honest, it's open. And, you know, it, it makes it easier for us. Is it like we, mm -hmm. if we don't like people, we just tell them, like, don't come back. So, I, you know, I'm not under any financial obligation to them. I mean, it's um, I think both ways. It's just a more honest approach, I think, to um, to business. Well, and also it's um, kind of the golden rule of treat people the way you'd want to be treated. And so you kind of think about like, oh, you know what I hate? Memberships. I hate having to sign like that three-year contract that sucks so bad. And so we don't do it. We don't make people do that. Yeah, um, we, like I've been burned by by that before. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you have a recurring draft on your account. So I, like, sorry you're injured, but yeah, the company, we can't we can't call the company and cancel that or whatever. You know, it's it's uh, it's just so much nicer. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nicer way to do business. And you don't have to like fool people by saying like, Oh yeah, we're we're a family, so you know you need to come and like pay your dues, even if you're not training or whatever it is. Um, and so I don't, I sleep well at night. You know I don't have to I don't have to think about <laughs> like if I'm exploiting somebody or not. Mm. So how does it work if someone uh, just wants to come and visit, or just train, or even live with you guys for a while, or uh, teach or whatever? How does it work? Yeah, I mean. So they, I mean, they essentially uh, shoot us an email. Bobby is the one who handles most of the emails. Um, yeah, they email us, let us know like when they're wanting to come out, what their what their background is, um, all that stuff, and they start a conversation. And um, you know, as as we feel each other out, kind of thing, um, we see if it'd be a good fit. Because sometimes people don't click, and that's totally fine. Um, but see if it's a good fit. Um, if it's a good fit and we have space and all that stuff, um, 
which yeah for for shorter term people it's it's a lot easier it's like yeah do i have the space for this amount of time yeah sure you can come out um for longer term people like we we really like to have kind of like a dialogue going for a long time at very least you know if they're if they're remote um and even when they get here we like to kind of like just see do, do you really fit into the big picture and then um yeah so we i mean we've had people like uh like i said michael she's been here for a couple years now she um yeah she just kind of came in and was like yeah i want to be around for like a month and we'll kind of see what happens and um so she stayed on and she's still here and um so it happens a lot of different ways but yeah if you're if you're looking for something more long term yeah we like to just kind of like feel it out for for a while before we kind of commit to anything yeah, but otherwise, yeah, just shoot us an email. Um, folks who are just kind of like more casually going through, like we said, we have the Airbnb. Um, the name of our campground is Bang Hound Campground. Um, but yeah, folks will book there. Sometimes we've had a few folks uh, book there and then come train jujitsu with us. Um, so yeah, there are a few different ways that people can reach out. Um, but email is always the best way. Um, yeah, but if you just want to come by and see it, yeah, like you can just uh, book a campsite or something. They're they're pretty affordable. It's like you know twenty dollars or something, mm -hmm. which is ridiculously cheap for um, for staying somewhere for a night anywhere in Asheville, um, especially in Asheville. Yeah, can people um, bring their own like tents or how does this work? Yeah, well, we have different options. Like we have some, like I said, like some structures basically built out of garbage and named after <laughs> jujitsu moves. Um, and then we have like just traditional camping spots where you bring your own tent and sleeping bag and you just sleep there and we have like a campfire and stuff. So we have like one uh, kind of like glamping tent um, where we provide the linens and all that stuff, too. So if you're like not into any of the camping ish stuff, um, we've got that, too. So all different levels. And what if people just want to come visit to train, but they don't want to sleep in nature in trash? <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine, too. Um, uh, yeah, if you want to get like a hotel or Airbnb or something in town and just come train, absolutely no problem. Um, and, you know, I, I don't mind. We're here all the time. Uh, we call this the compound. And so we're here on the compound almost all the time. So people can come by and I can give a tour. And um, yeah, we, we like having, you know, people come out and uh, exchanges and things like that. How many, how many people can stay there? Um, it depends. It depends on how many work exchange people we have. Um, right now, like the bunkhouse, um, that could potentially sleep six, um, right now has like two people, two women who are living in the like bunkhouse place. So obviously we wouldn't put anybody, um, like guys in there with them. Um, but we could but if you count all the campground spots and all the other little spots we have here, like uh -huh. 50 something, 60, maybe uncomfortably 60 people. Yeah, <laughs> but probably like 50 is a good number. That's kind of what we're shooting for, for like our uh, camp. Mm -hmm. How nice. Well, yeah. uh, we just reached an hour, so I think we're gonna we're gonna say that's it. Do you have any? Uh, uh, how, how do people get in touch with you? Do you have like a what's your website or Instagram or something? I was so looking the your... the website is opensourcebjj.net, um, and from there you can find uh, links to like our schedule. Um, you can find links to our intentional community. It's called the Kudzu Valley BJJ community, so that's on there. Um, our Instagram is open source jujitsu AVL for Asheville. Um, yeah. And we're all, we're pretty active on like social media, stuff like that. So if people want to shoot us a message, um, on Instagram or Facebook, we reply pretty soon, pretty quickly well, with that. Don't expect a super fast answer from me. I'm not one of those guys that has like his cell phone on him all the time. So, but I, I will get back to you. I'm, <laughs> I'm good about that. It just might take, uh, I don't know, a little bit of time. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, good. Anything you, you want to add or anything I forgot to talk about? Um, not really. I mean, I they did a great job of covering pretty much everything, man. Yeah. So, um, we, we do really appreciate the, the exposure and we're really looking forward to, um, I think we're still signed up for the, uh, the USA camp. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe someday we'll run into you again. Oh, it's gotta happen this summer. 
Yeah. Must. <laughs> no, it'll happen again. Yeah, I'm optimistic, man. We'll we'll do it. Yeah. We'll be there. Yeah, that's good. All right, and um, good. Uh, I think we'll 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 uh, keep it at that, and then uh, I will. I hope I can come visit one day. Obviously, it's uh, yeah. When things are more, when the world is not burning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, even if the world is burning, you know, you just got to kind of put up with the situation. And yeah. Maybe we'll get you. We'll get your kids uh, some playground equipment out there. Please. please. <laughs> it's not super kid friendly right now, but maybe we'll get. Uh, it sounds get dangerous some. for kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not. <laughs> if, if you've raised your kids in Eastern Europe, this is nothing. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, you have different standards. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, I'll stay in touch with you, and um, good luck with, with everything. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, man. Okay. Have a nice day. All thanks, right. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, I will be back again whenever I come up with uh, another plan for someone to interview. Uh, at the moment, things are obviously a little bit quiet at the Globetrotters office since um, the camps are not very easy to uh, execute. But um, I'm optimistic and hopefully next year is going to be easier and I look forward to to return to the camps again and see all of many of you guys and uh, all of the people who uh, who have been going to the camps for many years. Um, we filmed this uh, this uh, documentary last year that uh, it's kind of torture for us to not show it to anyone yet. It was supposed to be released this summer and then this fall, but um, it's simply too exciting. Uh, a project to just put it on YouTube and let people watch it. I think it deserves a proper, um, a proper premiere, like an event where everybody has the opportunity to come and and watch it in a in a movie theater. So we're still postponing that. Hopefully, it's going to be in Estonia in the spring um, when things look a little bit easier. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with this, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a nice day. <laughs>